Hello and welcome to the Top Order Podcast. Stu, back, a uh, few technical difficulties, but we've, we've finally connected. So I'm back in charge of, of the buttons and the, the sound effects, but luckily I won't be the only one doing the talking and not, not the only voice you'll hear today as I'm joined by Abdullah Haider from wicketsandruns.net and the Pakistan Cricket Pod to look ahead to the upcoming white ball series between Pakistan and the Black Caps. Starts early hours of Saturday morning New Zealand time, which is the 14th of April local time, and goes right through to the first part of May with five T20s and, and five ODIs. So, Abdullah, I guess, thanks for, for joining me again. Firstly, how are you? I mean, the last time we spoke was just before New Zealand's test tour to Pakistan, and I think both of us were probably feeling quite optimistic about our side's chances, but how are you feeling about the state of Pakistan cricket right now? Yes, it was actually interesting. The last time we spoke, uh, it was day three of the test match between Pakistan and England in Karachi. And Pakistan were decently placed in that test match uh, at the time of our recording. Mm. And uh, once I returned uh, sort of to my television after our uh, recording, they had sort of collapsed. And then England sort of just uh, ran away with it and completed a 3-0 clean sweep. Uh, While I was recording, I was optimistic that Pakistan could uh, salvage some pride and win that last test match. But they had a Dramatic collapse while we were recording, in fact, and uh, New, uh, England managed to uh, complete a clean sweep. But uh, it was an entertaining series when New Zealand came over, wasn't it? Uh, uh, particularly in the test matches, but there were some interesting day fives where all three results were possible, particularly in the second one. Um, and then the, new, the, one, the ODIs were quite entertaining as well with New Zealand uh, taking the honours in the end by winning the decider. But uh, a lot has changed since then. I mean... Uh, New Zealand have gone to India, then they've had uh, the resumption of their home summer and uh, they've been on the road for a very, very long time, haven't they, since uh, that England tour last uh, June. It's been non-stop for New Zealand, but luckily after this tour they'll have a break, have a break. so I guess one final push for them before uh, they have a bit of a break uh, in June and July before they head over to England uh, towards the end of August. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah like you say, it was, I, um, I was... I had Crick Info, had the window open when, uh, when we were talking last time. And, yeah, I didn't want to tell you at the time that, that Pakistan was, was losing wickets. So I, I was trying to keep things, things upbeat. But, yeah, very interesting series um, between New Zealand and, and, and when we were over there for that test series. I, I, I do feel like it was a missed opportunity from, from a New Zealand point of view. It felt like we had real chances to, to win that, those tests. And, yeah, that, that second test in particular sort of got, got very sort of weird because it felt like New Zealand was really pushing for the win and then uh, Pakistan put on that partnership. Safraz obviously got going and it, it felt like, you know, actually New Zealand came out with an hour to go and thought, oh, we don't, we're not trying to win now, we're trying to defend. And then suddenly a chance again and, and then for bad light to call it off. So, yeah, very, very weird one. But, but, but uh, you know, we head over there now with, with quite a different squad. What about all the stuff that's going on for Pakistan kind of off the field, I guess, with the constant, it feels like there's a constant turnover of coaching staff and, and at a board level, there's interim coaches for this series, I think, including former Black Cap and, and Northern Districts coach Grant, Grant Gradburn, who I think has been around Pakistan for, for a while as fielding coach and development level and things like that in recent years. Saclain kind of helping out the New Zealand side, who, who um, I'm kind of, delighted to see he was uh he was one of the favorite bo- favorite bowlers for me to watch uh 
you know, from a neutral point of view when, when I was growing up and while, while he was playing. But, yeah, what, what is going on? Do you think Grant Bradmoon has a chance to become the, the head coach full-time? Yes, it's uh, very interesting, particularly for someone who's uh, on the outside looking in. Yeah. Uh, it, because, uh, firstly, Pakistan, they're not doing that too, too badly. I mean, they've won nine of their last 11 ODIs, and they got to their World Cup final in the 2020 format as recently as November. It's just, in the, it's just in the test matches where there's been a disappointment um, at home against Australia and England, uh, although they managed to stop the bleeding somewhat against New Zealand by you know, a, at least drawing the series as opposed to losing the series. But it's uh, basically the chairman at the moment, he's in favour of overseas coaches and foreign coaches um, as opposed to local coaches, mm. and he's made that very clear. Uh, the chairman, in fact, uh, Najam Sadi took over Shortly after our recording, in fact, in December, Ramiz Raja was chairman at the time. Yeah. Um, but, but once uh, that clean sweep happened, we had a new chairman, uh, Najum Seti, and uh, he's made it very clear that he's in favor of uh, an overseas coach and foreign coach. And he's basically bringing back uh, Mickey Arthur as the director of cricket, which is odd because Mickey Arthur is already tied up with Derbyshire. So he's already associated with an English county that he's not willing to leave. Mm. And they get getting him involved as a director, but uh, there are there are elections this year in Pakistan, and with the way things work, um, the prime minister is basically the patron in chief of the cricket board. Okay. So if there if there is a change of prime minister, uh, everything could go out of the window in terms of uh, who's the coach. So it's bizarre, uh, particularly I think bringing back Mickey Arthur. Uh, simply because uh, he's already associated with Derbyshire for starters, and, and Pakistan aren't doing too badly in white ball cricket, at least. Mm. Um, I mean, the, result, the disappointment has been in Test cricket, but if you look at uh, Mickey Arthur's tenure with Pakistan between 2016 and 2019, the results in Test match cricket weren't that great. I mean, he had 28 Tests as Pakistan coach, and they lost 17 of those. So if they are, if they're bringing him back to improve the Test match fortunes. He's not exactly uh, done brilliantly when he was the coach of the test match side. So mm. it's very bizarre. I know Mickey Arthur, because he's not going to be the main coach as such, because he's going to be the director, he's pushed for Grant Bradman to be the head coach. Um, and he sort of oversees things. Okay. Um, Grant Bradman, yes, he's been the fielding coach of Pakistan previously. And he's also coached Scotland. Uh, he was sort of involved with the National High Academy um, in Pakistan, uh, the Cricket Academy in Pakistan, uh, the, the High Performance Centre. He resigned from that role in 2021, mm -hmm. so he's coming back now. And it's interesting because he'll be up against Gary Stead, won't he? And uh, he was in the running against Gary Stead for the New Zealand coach at one stage uh, when Mike Hessen sort of decided to, decided to call it quits. Yeah, that's right. Of course, uh, Gary Stead's not going to be there for the T20s. He's only going to be there for the ODI. So plenty going on. Uh, start of a new era, it feels, with, this, with these changes in coaching. Um, so Klen's an interesting one. I know you mentioned him because he was the head coach uh, of the Pakistan team when New Zealand were there uh, just after Christmas. Yeah. So he's sort of jumped ship very quickly. Uh, and I'm not sure that's uh, uh, a particularly respectful thing to do. Let's put it that way. I think there should be some breeding space before you uh, jump ship. Because this is really the first series uh, since he's left the role. And again, he's only there for this series. It's not a long-term thing. So uh, 
I, I don't feel particularly good about what he's done uh, to jump ship so quickly, especially if it's just a short-term gig. I think there should be some breathing space, you know, six months, eight months before you move on, uh, particularly if you're coaching against the team you've already coached. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's such a weird one. I mean, you said before it's, uh, from the outside looking in, and, and that's kind of what we, yeah, we, we're all often commenting around Pakistan cricket. It, it just seems so bizarre because, yeah, like you say, they, I mean, certainly in, in the white ball formats, they, they seem to have been going well. And, um, I mean, you, you talk about the, you know, the, I guess the, the dysfunction in some ways and um, the, the lack of support for, for various things. And it, it feels to me, again, looking you know, from the outside in, that, that the similar thing is kind of happening with, with Babar because it feels like at least on, on social media and com- commentary and all this kind of stuff, he's copying it you know, from all corners and about his captaincy, his batting approach during the PSL. I, I mean, I do think that declaration he made in the New Zealand Test match was was really, really weird one, sort of almost like someone was saying, look, we've got to try and push for a win or something. Is it, yeah, I mean, are there any concerns? He's still sort of putting up the putting the runs on the board, but are there any concerns that, I don't know, would, like is he going to just say, I've had enough of this and, and kind of pack it in in terms of, of being the captain? I think he's under most pressure with regards to his test match captaincy, especially mm. after what happened against England on the back of what happened against Australia. Uh, as I mentioned, the bleeding was stopped somewhat by at least drawing the series against New Zealand. But again, New Zealand sort of had the upper hand for both of those test matches. They were more likely to be able to push for those wins going into day five. Yeah. And it was more about Pakistan holding on. I don't think he has much ground to stand on to stay as test captain. Um, there's a tour of Australia coming up uh, in the not too distant future. And after that, that would probably be an appropriate time to transition uh, with the new captain for, a, for the start of the next time Pakistan play at home, which is against West Indies in test cricket. Um, that's next season in Pakistan. Uh, but in white ball cricket, I mean, in ODIs, I think he's definitely the man with an ODI World Cup coming up. Mm. He's, he's been captain since the, uh, more or less since the last World Cup. So uh, he hasn't really had the chance to lead in an ODI tournament as such so, so far because obviously there's no Champions Trophy these days, although that will be restored down the line. Mm. Um, in T20s, I think he's kind of done his time, if you like, because... We've had consecutive T20 World Cup campaigns. Um, I mean, Pakistan did well in both campaigns, but ultimately they didn't uh, bring home the trophy. So it, I don't think it would, be, it would be a bad idea to freshen things up in the T20 format um, and go with an, a new leader there. But in ODIs, I definitely think he's, he's the man um, looking ahead to uh, the World Cup this year in India. And also there's a Champions Trophy in the not-too-distant future in Pakistan as well. Uh, at the start of 2025 but um just to round off this point i think it's a it's a big burden isn't it to captain in tests odis t20s and i'll also throw in a fourth format which is the psl captaincy because Mm. there's lots of pressure and expectation that comes with that so i i think he's got a lot on his plate and uh, i certainly don't think it'll be a bad thing if he's relieved from captaincy in at least one format yeah yeah i mean obviously we've just seen Kane Williamson, you know, stepped down as, as the New Zealand Test captain. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously we, we go over there now with, without him and, and without a whole, a whole bunch, host of other players, you know, as, we, as we're going to look ahead now to, to these white ball series. And, um, you know, a lot of New Zealand players at the IPL, 
when I saw the Pakistan side name, though, it looked very, very strong. You know, even Shaheen Shah Afridi coming back, which is scary from a New Zealand point of view, but also kind of exciting for someone like me who enjoys watching watching him bowl and, and watching the quality that he delivers. But New Zealand, are, are, we, are we about to get demolished in this series? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, I think it's much harder to go with a second string uh, slash third string team uh, when you're when you're playing abroad, mm. as opposed to playing at home, uh, and also, I mean, we know the IPL is on, but Pakistan are going to be at full strength because obviously they don't play at IPL. I just wonder mm. how much this was considered in the selection. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you can't uh, you can't re- really count it against players that they're over at the IPL with the life changing money that they're earning. Mm. But, I'm, but I'm just wondering. Given it was Pakistan, and knowing that Pakistan players don't play don't play the IPL as such, uh, I mean they don't they don't play the IPL at all. Whether that was considered because they were always going to be at full strength for this series, it's not like uh, they're touring another country where where they're also going to be missing players because of the IPL. So I'm just wondering whether that was considered at all, because you know no one wants to go over and get beaten four one five nil. I mean, it's no. not. Uh, no, yeah. and I th- I think um, you know it's it's an interesting point you make. I mean, I realistically I would say like I mean we all know I guess this this is partly kind of making up some of the games that um, were not played in, in 2021. So um, I think tacking on a few extra games in um, in both these series, I believe, um, you know, is is part of the deal that we made and in, in, um, when we. When New Zealand, you know, pulled out of, of that tour, so I, I guess in some ways, that's why the series, both series, are, are so long. And and um, you know, at, at this time, I think for for New Zealand, the fact of the matter is that the the IPL, like you say, for those players, it's it's just life changing, and it's an opportunity that New Zealand players traditionally haven't been uh, big draws in the IPL in terms of. Um, getting auction prices and and even getting picked up. Some of our best players, even when they've been going really well, haven't really been picked up in squads. And so I just think I, I think New Zealand cricket's in a position where we just have to let those guys go. And um, in some ways, this becomes a well. In in all ways, I think now this becomes a, a development tour. And um, I, I, I guess in some ways, it's. I, I don't actually see that as a bad thing as long as they can kind of get something out of potentially a, a really tough tour on in terms of results. Because we saw a similar thing happen in terms of the uh, ODI series we played in India where we had a, a few newbies debut in that series and, um, and kind of struggled. The likes of Henry Shipley didn't really um, perform to, to the kind of quality that we'd seen here in domestic cricket. And then... He came back here, got an opportunity in, at home against Sri Lanka and uh, and managed to kind of put his best foot forward, took a five for and, um, you know, sort of put himself, I, I, I hope, gave himself some some confidence that he can kind of compete at this level. But, yeah, it's, I, I, I do think it's going to be a, a tricky tour for New Zealand in terms of the results, but there's a there's a lot to play for and um, for, for quite a few of those fringe players. I think, you know, just mentioned Kane before. He's someone that's now looks like, you know, really disappointing from a New Zealand point of view, but it looks like he's going to be out of the World Cup, which is a, a massive blow, but that opens up a spot for, for someone to claim. And 
um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a few spots in terms of the World Cup for for New Zealand. Are there any Pakistan, I guess, uh, squad battles? I, I suppose uh, you know, are there are there players? How many names do you think are penciled into that Pakistan squad, and and how many how many spots still are, are available in terms of uh, you know thinking about that World Cup later on in the year? Yes, I mean. I think more or less the 11 is there, there or thereabouts. As I mentioned, they've won nine of their last uh, 11 ODIs. They'd actually won nine, nine in a row when uh, they went one up against New Zealand um, recently in January, but obviously they lost the last two and lost that series. But yes, more or less the team sort of picks itself in terms of uh, Fakhr Zaman and Imam opening up with Barber at three. Uh, their first choice pace attack is there or thereabouts, Shaheen, uh, Nassim Shah, Harris, Ralph, Shadab is the spinner. So I guess seven or eight uh, players are nailed on in the playing 11. It's just about those spots such as number, um, I mean, Rizwan as well, forgot to mention him. He, he, mm. where, where he bats will be the question, but he'll be there thereabouts at four, five, six. So that's, as, as I think I've named, named eight players there that are nailed on to make the 11. Mm. And then we just got three players sort of to make up the 11 and obviously... Uh, some spots to make up the, the, the squad of 15. But just uh, coming back to uh, the point you mentioned that this is sort of making up for that tour that didn't happen um, about eight, uh, in September 2021. Hmm. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a five T20 and three ODI series back then. So yeah. they've extended the ODIs. They've added two extra ODIs on to this, uh, this tour. And it's been a long time since both sides have played a five-match ODI series, hasn't it? So, hmm. uh, you know, that's uh, very much been a thing of the past with the introduction of the World Cup Super League where teams play um, three ODIs only in a series. Um, I mean, obviously they can play more, but they tend to just stick to three to make up those games. Uh, and it was interesting, New Zealand actually topped that so World Cup Super League. I was looking at the standings. Yeah, um, They've, they've uh, managed to top that and nobody can sort of surpass them. There are still a few games left, but uh, they'll be finishing number one in that uh, World Cup Super League. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, look New Zealand. New Zealand has done, you know, as as much as some people here in in New Zealand are are kind of um, at the start of the summer, we're a bit down on um, on the side. We'd um, we'd taken a um, take, you know, failed. I guess failed to win those test series in, in Pakistan um, from positions where we thought we we you know were were winning positions. Took a hammering in the first test, home test against England, and and had lost the three tests over there beforehand. And yeah, I think people were were pretty worried that we'd maybe not even just fallen back to the pack. We'd sort of, you know, drop down to the the lower range. I guess the sort of six, seven, eight range of of, uh, of international sides. But I I, th- I think the home summer gave people a lot of a lot of hope that. Um, at least at home, we're still going to be a, a very good side, and, and particularly in the white balls, I think it's um, it's really encouraging for New Zealand that uh, you know Sri Lanka's a decent side in, in white ball cricket, and like you say, with a somewhat B side, we, we managed to beat them pretty comfortably in the the ODIs, and um, and even win the T20 series in the end with a, a bit of a resurgence from from Tim Seifert. So yeah, I think New Zealand can be can be pretty proud of of what we've done over the you know such an extended period of time it's just you know now i guess every every sort of tournament is is the thing that you're building up for and and uh 
yeah, the, the loss of Kane Williamson is, is is a big blow here, and it means that some players are, are, are going to have to step up. Indeed, indeed. So coming back to uh, this tour, it was interesting when New Zealand went over in December and January, they were just playing all their games in Karachi, both the two test matches and the three ODIs. Mm. So that this time they'll get to experience different cities as opposed to just playing all their games in Karachi. I mean, it was more of a tour of Karachi rather than a tour of Pakistan yeah. uh, when they went last time, because this time they'll get the chance to play in Lahore for the first three T20s. And then they'll move over to Raul Pindi for the last two T20s and the first two ODIs before returning to Karachi for the last three ODIs. So it's an all-round tour as opposed to just playing in Karachi when they were last over. Uh, so they'll get to experience different uh, different cities and different stadiums rather yeah. than just everything in one stadium. Yeah, what do you think the crowds will be like? Because I have to say, I thought they were pretty disappointing in, the, in that test series. I know there were a few sort of mitigating factors and, and things with that, but do you think we'll, we'll kind of get to experience the, the buzz of the crowds this time? That's interesting you mentioned that point because they actually ended up... Uh, giving a free entry to the test matches in the end. Such, mm. were, such was the low number of the crowds at the start of that first test. Uh, well, certainly, certainly in the second test, there was free entry, uh, from mm. what I recall. And in the ODIs, I mean, the crowds were better, but they weren't, you know, outstanding or anything, weren't they? I mean... No. But uh, obviously, all the games were at one, one centre, and, you know, it wasn't like an event that there's a game on in our city as you get in other countries, because they were all happening at uh, the same venue and they also that ground also hosted the last test match against England so <laughs> there was a constant stream of cricket there mm. uh, but uh, coming back to the crowds it's interesting because I mean Pakistan have played New Zealand in front of some electrifying Pakistani crowds think of the T20 World Cup semi-final in Sydney mm. uh, think of uh, the World Cup at Edgbaston when they clashed in, in England and there were so dominant Pakistani crowds and really uh, electrifying atmospheres. And that's when Pakistan are playing overseas. So it must feel weird um, for a New Zealand follower of cricket to see that when, you, when they're actually playing in Pakistan, the crowds are so low. Yeah. Uh, because when they're playing at neutral venues against New Zealand in ICC events, it's chock-a-block of Pakistani supporters uh, and uh, a very Pakistan-dominant crowd and who make a lot of noise and get behind their team. So... And that must feel extremely weird, uh, seeing such big crowds in places like Sydney uh, for that T20 World Cup semi-final, and in England for, for the World Cup that's gone in the past. But when they're actually playing in Pakistan, they're playing in front of uh, empty stands, more so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, Binks here, one of our other co-hosts. Yeah, he he went over to the that final T20 final of the the World Cup um, with Pakistan and, and England. And yeah, just you know, said what a great atmosphere it was, and and you know we could see we could see I think in both T20 um, recent T20 World Cups when New Zealand have played Pakistan, the crowds have, have been fantastic. So yeah, I mean that's sort of what we expect when we when we um, tune into uh, at least the limited overs stuff when we when we're watching from over here in New Zealand. So yeah, hopefully hopefully uh, we'll get to experience a bit of that on 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 the TV. One thing I will add here is that uh, Ramzan, uh, the holy month, is actually in progress at the moment. And mm. you may have noticed that the T20s start at 9 p.m. local time, which is very unusual. I mean, usually T20s uh, 
starter who wants to be at creek ground at 9 p.m and that's yeah. just for the starts um so because uh, a lot of the games will be played during the holy month as far as the t20s are concerned the crowds might be quite down i don't uh, expect there to be uh, uh too much uh, i don't expect there to be an impressive crowd there for the t20 leg of the tour mm-hmm. um T20s is naturally more popular than ODIs, so I'm not sure it's going to be much better in the ODIs either. And plus, it's sort of out of season in Pakistan now. April and May um, is generally when cricket is not played there, at least international stuff. So the weather is going to be quite hot and challenging for crowds, even though the latest starts. So I don't expect to see, you know, a very impressive turnout over the course of the five T20s and five ODIs. Um, but per- perhaps we'll see a bit more because there are, it's in different cities at this time as opposed to just one city when New Zealand were last over. Yeah, fingers fingers crossed. Uh, let's br- let's bring it back to to some of these fringe players because I do think that's that's you know I, I think from a New Zealand point of view definitely the, the most interesting aspect. I think much like you said about Pakistan, I think there are probably I've you know I tried to write down a a um, you know. A, a World Cup squad, and, and and I had you know ten or eleven locks at least in there. You know, Finn Allen, Devin Conway, Daryl Mitchell, Tom Latham, Glenn Phillips, Michael Bracewell, Mitchell Santner, Sodi Southey, Henry Ferguson, Bolt. I think they're all kind of there, and I, I don't even know how many that was. That might have been t- you know ten to twelve, and that doesn't leave many spots for for some of these guys that are over there, like a Will Young, who's and a Henry Nichols, who are probably fighting perhaps for for Kane Williamson's spot. Jimmy Neesham, who I, in my head, have always thought that he was a, a lock for, you know, the um, the World Cup. But, you know, the fact that it's in India, you know, predominantly and, you know, the need to possibly play spin. And, and you know, I think there's a little bit of pressure on him to, to actually deliver and, and kind of produce an innings of, of substance and, and show that he can contribute. So there's there's someone like him that's under a bit of pressure. And then there are guys like Ratchan Ravindra and Adam Milne and, and Tom Blundell who are getting more opportunities now to to shine and and show that they can um you know try and try and sneak their way into this squad, which I, I like I say I do think will be will be quite tricky. So one of one of the players that I did want to ask you about from a from a Pakistan point of view and, and particularly someone that I have only really seen highlights of because I don't um, tend to see much of the the PSL because of the time difference and and all of that stuff. Is is this Anula? I mean, it, you know, Pakistan they can just churn out some serious speedsters. I don't know how you how you do it over there. It's it's unbelievable. But do you think we're we're likely to see much of him in these games? And and you know, is is there a chance that someone like him could could bolt their way into the squad? Yes, he's uh, been a, a find of the recent PSL, mm. and he got his chance against Afghanistan uh, in the T20s. They, they've just played in Sharjah and impressed. It's mm. uh, known for his pace. He likes to bowl short. Uh, I know you mentioned that Pakistan keeps churning out these fast bowlers, but if you think about it in the longer form of the game, one way of looking at it is since 1995, there hasn't been a Pakistani uh, quick bowler who's actually taken 200 test wickets. Um, the longevity hasn't quite been there Mm. Um, you know the the longevity the sustainability as such uh, they sort of come and go Uh, 
especially in the longer form of the game. I mean, so Wakar Yunus was the last Pakistan fast bowler who took 200 test wickets. And that's, uh, you know, the best part of 30 years ago. Yeah. So I guess we've got to be cautious um, that on, on that on that front. But definitely in white ball cricket, Pakistan's fast bowling stocks are very strong. Um, there's plenty of depth, there's plenty of options. And Ishanullah, uh, we certainly expect to see a, a bit of him, both in the T20s and the ODIs, which follow. Are there anyone? Uh, are there are there any other players that that you're particularly looking out for in in terms of you know what they can deliver and and try and get themselves into the squad? Yes, in fact, I was actually just going to throw it back towards uh, you first because uh, Martin Guptill has been actually playing in the PSL mm. and he's done uh, pretty decently uh, in the recent PSL. And I mean, where where does he stand? Because if he's not going to make the squad when so many players are over at the IPL. Then when is he going to make the squad? Is this the end of the road for Martin Guptill? Yeah, I, I think. Um, I, yeah, I think. I think that ship has sailed, and and um, you know, it's it's a bit of a shame for for him, and and I suppose in the way it kind of ended, you know, um, I think he was at. I can't remember what the contract situation was when we actually last spoke, but um, at around that time, or at least some time after, not long after that, he. Um, stepped away from his uh, international contract, um, his you know central contract. So, um, and New Zealand, I think, said you know okay, that's that's sort of fine. And and because they were going, they've really just moved on and said, look, we want to back Finn Allen. We want to give him every opportunity to be an international cricketer. He's shown glimpses. Um, he, I think, everyone wants to. Well, everyone sort of points to his T20 stuff. And, and I mean, you saw what he could do against um, Australia in, in the uh, T20 World Cup. That was kind of a, a shining example of, of how he can kind of take a game away from, from opposition sides very, very quickly. But I think in the ODIs, he's shown himself to actually take a bit more time and, and um, you know, try and build in innings, even though he's, you know, tried to, tries to build it at a, a strike rate of, of 100 or, or not too much um behind that but yeah look I, I just think that ship has sailed for for Guptill. um i don't think he'll play for new zealand again he's yeah it's i don't I, I don't know if there's any bad blood from from his point of view i know new zealand cricket obviously respects what he's done and and a few people are now calling for whether he could come in and and sort of take the kane williamson role but you know realistically will young's been on the fringes for for a long long time now and um, New Zealand's invested a lot of development time, I, I guess, in him. So, yeah, I, I think he's probably the one that they're hoping can can fill those shoes. And um, like I said, Henry Nichols is probably the other one who's been in and around our white ball side, actually played a really important innings against Sri Lanka um, in one of the ODIs here when we, we got ourselves into a bit of trouble and was in our last ODI World Cup squad opening the batting and stuff. So, yeah, I think those two are, are probably pushing for that final spot. I know we have to um, end the call pretty soon, so yeah, maybe back to you on on a few players that you're looking at for for this series, and and um, you know who you're hoping to, from a personal point of view, might sneak their way into the squad. Yes, I expect the usual customers sort of to dominate this series. The players are already well known, uh, the likes of Barbarism, Imam in ODIs, um, and Shahina Fridi. Uh, it's going to be interesting because he hasn't actually played an international match since that 2020 World Cup final 
at the MCG that you mentioned that uh, one of your co-hosts attended. Um, I recall you saying uh, just a while ago. Mm. So, so he's going to be back in the international fold after quite a while. I mean, it's been six months since that final. So uh, he, he'll be of interest uh, to see how he goes and whether he can back up game after game, particularly in the, the ODI format. Uh, but more or less, I think it's uh, the players we uh, people already know. Mm. Uh, I don't expect there to be, uh, you know, too many newcomers who are going to dominate this series as such. Uh, there are a few players under pressure. Sean Masood, he's under pressure. He 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 needs to do with some runs. Uh, he's actually Yorkshire captain uh, this season, so he's missing that uh, to, to to participate in this series in both the T20s and the ODIs. He could he could really do with, with with some runs in the score if he wants to push his claim for that World Cup spot. So he's under pressure. His performance will be under the scanner. Harris Sohail, he's he's an interesting one. He's in the ODI squad. Um, he's got a very good record against New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, he played a really good innings in, in that last 50-over World Cup in the match Pakistan won. And he's got a Test 100 against New Zealand as well, so he likes playing New Zealand. Yep. Uh, again, he's been out of the fold for a while, although he played the last series. But prior to that, um, he was out of the fold for a while. So he'll want to remind people what he can do. But again, he's again a familiar name, so to speak. He's not a youngster or anything like that. So Mm. a few players under pressure rather than uh, newcomers who I expect to uh, really impress or dominate in this series. And and, and, uh, I I guess just quickly before we, we have to go, prediction for the series like I, I said earlier I, I do think New Zealand's going to struggle in the series just because of, of the strength that Pakistan has been in their, their white ball side Are, do you have a, a number you can give us for white for the T20 and ODIs yes let's put it this way I think there are 10 white ball games well there are 10 white ball games five ODIs and five T20s I'd expect Pakistan to win at least eight of them wow eight yep. of the ten yep. uh, but just on that Sometimes it's actually difficult to play a second string or a third string team because if you win, people are just going to say, well, you beat the new B team or the C team. Mm. And if you lose it, you're going to cop it from all angles. So from a motivational point of view, it can be quite difficult to get yourself up for these games, uh, which isn't to be underestimated. So that might actually come into it. It's not always straightforward to play a second string or a third string team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I'm going to give us a couple more wins. I reckon we get four out of this uh, out of this series of of ten games. I do think uh, there's some there's still some serious quality in there with Tom Latham and, and Matt Henry and and Daryl Mitchell, who's just been unbelievable for the last year. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with that. Look, uh, like I said, we, we're going to have to cut it cut it short here. But thanks for listening, everyone, and um, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you again, Abdullah and. Yeah, all the best for the upcoming series. Thank you. Nice talking to you.